Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is John, and I will be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7 through in IV. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. This is the word of the Lord. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Cornerstone, brothers and sisters. Can you believe it? It's the third Sunday of January already. February is almost here. Unbelievable. Time goes by so fast. 2021 is well on its way. Do you know where the word Christian first appears? It appears in Acts chapter 11, verse 26 saying the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The word Christian occurs only three times in all of Scripture. Twice in Acts, once in 1 Peter. That's it. But the word disciple occurs 269 times in the New Testament and 77 times simply in the Gospel of Matthew. The word disciple comes from the Greek word mathetes, meaning an apprentice, a learner, a student. Uh, and in ancient times, a disciple was a person who left everything to follow the teachings of a master, they call them more, uh, in the Jewish community, a rabbi. And the word disciple implies much more, though, than a learner or just a student, like we would think today. It is someone who has total, totally committed his or her life to following the teachings and the example of a master. According to the New Testament, disciples of Jesus are commanded not only to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, but then to go and make more disciples of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking and looking at today with our text. Cornerstone's theme for 2021 is reach one to teach one to reach one and then to teach one and this ongoing process. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 is one of the verses on which we base this theme. The challenge for each of us then is to reach one for Christ and lead them to Christ so that they then will do the same to others. That's the challenge to all of us who will follow Jesus. In our annual meeting today at 1115, uh, each pastor is going to go through uh, their own ministries at which we lead and give some uh, key ways in which we hope that we will encourage the church as a whole to do this in, the, in their everyday lives, to reach one, to teach one, to reach one. So this theme, Reach One to Teach One, emphasizes the last part of our church vision, 
um, this cornerstone vision statement that says, and engage disciples for the Great Commission. And if we are not a disciple-making church, then we are missing the calling of Christ Jesus our Lord to be His church on earth, because this is what He calls us to do. Each of us, as Jesus followers, are to be making disciples. So as a follower of Jesus, when you think of that, are you making disciples? Well, that's the hope that we have in emphasizing this theme this year. So bring us back to that vision that Christ has given us to reach one at least, to teach one, and then who also will reach one in the name of Jesus, with the gospel of Jesus. So our text today in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7, through 7, is a charge to Timothy, who is a leader at this time of the church in Ephesus, in this ancient city of Ephesus. And it's also, therefore, a charge to each one of us who follow Jesus as Lord. Now, there are four imperatives in these seven verses, one through seven, uh, four commands that, are, uh, that apply to each of us as followers of Christ as well. So the first one we see as disciples or followers of Jesus, we, are, we get to be strong in the grace that is in Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul commanded Timothy in verse 1, saying, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This applied to Timothy as a leader of that church in Ephesus, but it also applies to us today as followers of Jesus. Notice the command is not to be strong in one's own strength and, or skills or abilities or intellect, but in the grace that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The grace in the Lord Jesus never runs out. It's not going to ever be depleted. That God's amazing grace is always available to us who follow Jesus and are therefore in the grace of Jesus Christ. He enables us to be strong for the glory of the Lord Almighty. Nothing will come our way that we will not have the grace of God to be able to handle it. No person, no pain, no problem, no responsibility, no injustice, no tragedy. Um, There will be no time when we cannot stand tall in Christ, no matter what we are facing because we are in the grace of Christ Jesus. And this is true for all who are in Christ by faith, all who are followers of Jesus, because we are under His grace. And when He calls you or me to do something, He's going to give us the power to do it. When He calls you to step up, He's going to give you the courage to do that. When He calls you to endure something horrible or difficult, He's going to give you the the ability to endure because you are in the grace of Christ Jesus as his follower. This is what the Apostle Paul meant when he earlier wrote to the church in Corinth. He wrote there, No testing has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. As Jesus' disciples, we are to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But what does this really look like? Well, one very real way 
it takes shape is in the forgiveness that we give toward others because Christ himself has forgiven us out of his grace. For example, Louis Zamberini was strong in the grace of Christ Jesus when he forgave Japanese guards that had tortured him when he was a POW in war, in the war, World War II. And the movie Unbroken uh, tells this story, the part of his story, when he was a prisoner, prisoner of war. And before Zamperini followed Christ, uh, he was tormented for years by his time of uh, the two years he was tortured by these Japanese guards. It just ate him up. It drove him to drink. It was destroying his relationships with his wife and his family and his friends. Uh, he was a mess until he responded to the grace that he found in Christ Jesus. And when he understood and believed that Jesus himself was tortured for his sins and to give him forgiveness, then he was freed. He experienced the freedom of the hate in his heart toward those Japanese guards. He grew strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and he was able to then forgive them as Christ had forgiven him. And he even later traveled to Japan to meet with any of those guards who were willing and to share the grace that he has found in Christ Jesus. It's a, it's a tremendous story and it's a true story. I encourage you to watch Unbroken. And also there's a couple, uh, I think, documentaries or movies that follow up with his coming to Christ and the whole redemption story. As disciples of Jesus, we get to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And we also, we see in our text, get to entrust the gospel to reliable people who are able to do the same. Now listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, which says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now the command here is to entrust to reliable people. Now the Greek verb translated here as entrust is interesting because it literally means to set before, to like serve, and is in the setting of putting food before someone um, when, they, when you're going to eat with them, but you're serving them the food. Now as disciples of Jesus, we are to share the gospel with people who will then do the same for others and this image of setting food before someone um, is in the context of relationship because we only usually eat with people that we have some form of relationship or we're building relationship with. That's a way of um, showing relationship, uh, experiencing relationship, or building relationship. It's all through eating together. Uh, and so it's in this context. And so this image of setting food before someone as entrusting the gospel is very significant because we who follow Jesus, it's all about relationship with Him, our Lord, and with others whom we are supposed to love and serve in the name of Jesus. A problem with many of us is that we think we can learn the truth of Christ with no context of relationship. I mean, we will read the Bible on our own, we'll look at blogs, um, look at 
Uh, we'll read books. We can re- do research online about Jesus all by ourselves. Um, but the change in our lives may end up to be very minimal, if anything at all. And the problem is, is that we do not connect uh, to other believers and relationships that are focused on the kingdom of God. We're just trying to do it on our own, like we are the, our own boss. We want to do things on our, our timing in our way. And this is not what Christ Jesus has called us to live as his church and also to share his gospel either. We don't do that out of the context of relationship. We gain Bible knowledge, but we struggle to apply it to our everyday stuff of life. And why? Because we do not have or seek the support of others who follow and seek the Lord Jesus. So Jesus works through us together to love, to encourage, to challenge, to rebuke each other in his name because we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we are the body. And we're all members of that body. And we work together. At least he has called us to do that. And this is why we have our life groups. And we stress them so much is because if we follow Jesus, then we are to be a part of the body of Christ and living side by side, following Jesus together, encouraging each other. But if you follow Jesus and you're not a part of some group, whether it's our life group or a part of a smaller group of brothers and sisters, whether in our church or with friends and family, that can support and encourage and keep you accountable and you them accountable. Um, If you're not a part of something like that, then you are disconnected from the body of Christ. You know, watching these worship videos um, is is just buys into that if you're doing it alone. Um, Reading the scriptures on your own is good and necessary, but uh, just always doing that alone is, it's not healthy. The reasons that keep us from connecting with others regularly, think about that in your mind. And I would encourage you to share that with somebody else, a brother and sister in Christ. And just taking that act of sharing with them why you're prevented or been deciding not to join, be a part of a regular small group of uh, fellow believers, will then be sharing your heart with a fellow believer and making the step to form community already and not just act on your own. We are not to be disconnected as followers of Jesus because this is the strategy of the evil one. Excuse me. He desires that we stay separated, not to be together. The command here is to entrust and to set before another the truth of Jesus Christ in the context of relationship, the relationship with, we have with him and with each other. And if we do not have a relationship with a person that we want to share the gospel with, then we work to foster one because we love them and we're interested in them. And so we are presenting the gospel truth of Christ through our own lives and in the context of our relationship, a loving relationship with them. Because it isn't just good information we're sharing with someone about Jesus. It is, the, it is Christ himself we are sharing with them as we are, are witness of Christ and he is in us. And the relationship that we have with them is also displaying and communicating 
the truth of the gospel message to them. So it's not just propositional truth, it's relational truth as well that they are experiencing in Christ Jesus. Reach one to teach one to reach one. And even by the way we are presenting the gospel, we are teaching them how to do it and in the context to do it when they themselves do it. And they carry on this, this process of reaching one to teach one, to reach one. Most of us who follow Jesus came to know Jesus in the context of a relationship of another person. Now, this process of entrusting to others who pass it on is a natural process of life, if you think about it. <clears throat> this is why we often turn out to be so much like our parents. Uh, they may, our parents may have taught us many things verbally, but their example is even more influential on our lives than their words. Uh, and the song that I've used before, Cats in the Cradle, tells this story of a son who wanted to spend time with his father, but his father was too busy always working. And so then the son grows up and the father retires and the father wants to spend time with his son, but the son is always too busy working. And so the son turned out to be just like his father. The son caught what the father left him as an example. Examples are powerful teachers. And the fact is, more is caught than is taught. Nothing motivate us, motivates us more than a, a powerful example, a good example that we can follow. We reach one to teach one to reach one, right? This is our example as well. We're teaching them by our example. And this is an example of this that happened seven years ago now, January 2014, the Pakistan nation at that time saluted a national hero. And his name was Atzaz Hassan Bangash. And he was saluted for sacrificing his life to save his schoolmates from a botched suicide bomber attempt. And uh, the brave 17-year-old was um, going to school. He got off his passenger van and he saw a suicide bomber approaching the building of his high school. And so uh, at that time, there was almost like 2,000 students in attendance at his school. But what happened is the bomber actually asked Atzaz and his friends about the school, and Atzaz got suspicious and grabbed the bomber and wouldn't let go of him. And the bomber got um, worried, and, and so he blew himself up at that moment and killing Atzaz. And Atzaz was the only casualty in the whole school at that point because he wouldn't let go of the bomber. He just kind of threw himself on him like that. And, uh, and so he died, but none of the other people in the school died. And Mahmoud Ali, the father of Aitzaz, was proud of his son who laid down his, son, uh, his life for others. And he said, I quote, he saved the life of 2,000 students and set a good example for the youngsters who would draw courage from his sacrifice. My son made his mother cry, but saved hundreds of mothers from crying for their children. Aitzaz was an example that others then in turn wanted to follow because it was a good, powerful example of sacrifice. 
Jesus taught his followers, his disciples, when he was on earth with them for three years in the context of relationship, he taught them powerfully through his example. And there were many teachable moments. He taught them with his words, of course. That's what we study uh, in the Gospels and also here in 2 Timothy. But he also had many teachable moments with his disciples, like the woman at the well or the woman that gave two pennies at the, in the temple offering. All his healings that he performed and ultimately his crucifixion and his resurrection. The Apostle Paul taught Timothy in this way. Uh, Moses taught Joshua in this way. The prophet Elijah taught Elisha in this way. Teaching through example and with words. Reach one to teach one, to reach one for Christ. You and I get to do this <clears throat> likewise, sharing the gospel with others as an example to them as we're sharing with them the gospel. And as disciples of Jesus, we get to be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to entrust the gospel to reliable people who are then able to do the same to others. And also, as disciples of Jesus, we get to share in suffering. 2 Timothy 2.3 speaks of this. It says, Join me in suffering, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, the original Greek verb here just simply means suffering, but it means suffering together with someone. In other words, Paul is commanding Timothy and all followers of Jesus to suffer together for Christ himself in his name. Today, we don't like to hear this. Uh, suffering isn't a part of our plan, but it is a part of God's plan according to the teachings of the Scriptures. Brothers and sisters, hear this. Suffering is a part of God's plan for you and for me. Jesus said in John 15, verse 20, If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We are commanded here to share in suffering for Christ, His sake, and as well as we know we're going to suffer in just living in this fallen world. We're going to get sick, we're going to die, we may get into accidents or tragedies or hurricanes or whatever tra tragic injustices happen to us. That's suffering because we live in a fallen world. But many of us who follow Christ may also suffer because we follow Christ. Paul uses the three images of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer to convey his meaning here. Now, the image of a soldier um, carries and suggests the qualities of obedience and courage and commitment and sacrifice. And this image is carried further in verse 4, which says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So the point here is a soldier is single-mindedly committed and devoted to his commanding officer to obey his orders. And we are to be just as devoted as followers of Jesus Christ and not allow anything to distract us from following Christ and his commands. Soldiers suffer much and are willing to give their own lives in obedience to these commands. And so this is the image and example that Paul is giving for us to follow. 
The image of the athlete is in verse 5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Now this word similarly indicates that this analogy of the athlete is in parallel, it's a parallel to what was just said about the soldier. Now ancient athletes who participated in the Olympiad at that time uh, first had to complete a 10-month training period and then they had to swear an oath that they had completed this 10-month training period. And that was the rules that they were supposed to follow. And this is, could be what Paul was referring to when he said, according to the rules. Now the point here is that an athlete must have a single-minded, wholehearted discipline if they hope to win, if they want to compete in order to win. Now the follower of Jesus is to be like an athlete in this way, who is willing to suffer and sacrifice and be disciplined in order to win the prize, in the sense to strive after um, in response to what Christ has done for us. And then verse 6, Paul uses the analogy of the farmer. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Now, I've mentioned before my relatives in Iowa are farmers, and they work very hard. Um, they get up early and often get in late uh, after dark and finish their day of work. Uh, they do not sit behind the desk and work on computers like many of us do. Um, instead, they're outside most of the time and they're doing things like plowing and seeding and tending and weeding and reaping and storing away, uh, feeding the animals, milking, repairing things. Uh, many of my farming relatives have had injuries or significant injuries at one time or another that they've recovered from. Um, or they know of people who have been killed, um, who have lost parts of their body because of accidents um, with the farming equipment. Farming is a very dangerous and um, demanding profession. But again, the point here is that like a farmer, the follower of Jesus must be willing to strain and struggle and be diligent these are the qualities again that are brought out with the farmer but note the farmer is the first in line for the reward that far outweighs their labor there's a image of hope there and as followers of Jesus we get to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus we get to entrust um, to the gospel to reliable people who are to do the same with others and then we get to share in the sufferings of Christ Jesus and finally we see as disciples we get to think things over and this is what verse 7 reflects on or refers to it says reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight into all this now this just simply means to reflect on to consider to seek to understand perceive uh, what these words meant and Paul did not spell out what he meant here, but he had confidence that Timothy, who he was writing to, and the church in Ephesus would understand what he meant when they reflected on these words. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ and trust the gospel to reliable people who can do the same to others. Share in the suffering in Christ Jesus together. 
And as we think over these things, what does these things mean for us, these commands mean for us? What do they mean for you as a follower of Christ? Will you and I follow Christ as commanded here in 2 Timothy chapter 2? Will we reach one to teach one, to reach one to teach one? Will we make disciples who will then make disciples for Christ Jesus and for his kingdom? Consider these words, sisters and brothers. Consider them deeply. As we look forward to 2021, will we be a congregation, a a church, who is active and defined by making disciples? Let's pray. Lord, this is our hope and our prayer because you have called us as your followers, as your children, to make disciples of Jesus, our Lord. Lord, we desire to do this and we pray that your spirit would embolden us and empower us to do so. Living and walking in the everyday stuff of life because we are forgiven of our sin and we are in the grace that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, Lord, we pray for opportunities to do this. We pray for wisdom to do this. And we pray for endurance and perseverance as we face things in life. But we know even the difficult, the tragic things of life give us opportunity to shine for you and your gospel, Lord Jesus. May you be the defining um, element in our hearts and minds that when others see us, they will see our love for one another and they will know that we are your disciples, people following you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to be with you again, brothers and sisters, and make sure you tune into our annual meeting at 1115. God bless.